0: Hey everyone, Hoff here. Before we get started, we just want to send out a big thank you to our partner Grind Coffee Co. for their support of the show. Their convenient subscription service offering specialty grade, single source, 100% Arabica coffee available in whole bean and drip grind. Check out grindcoffeeco.com. Thanks again to Grind Coffee Co. for supporting the show.
1: Everybody, I'm Izzy Swan from Greenville, South Carolina, and I am here on the Builder Session hanging out with a couple of cool cats and talking about some crazy fun topics.
2: Welcome to the Builder Sessions, a podcast where we chat with your favorite
0: builders. We get to know them, their stories, and hopefully inspire you to get off the couch and build something cool. I'm Hoff. And I'm Rosie. And on this episode, we have Izzy Swan. We chat about his extensive experience and knowledge in various disciplines that got him to where he is today, his passion for inventing and fabricating to solve problems, and despite how it may look on the surface, many processes are more connected than they may seem.
2: All this and more on this episode of the Builder Sessions. Izzy Swan, welcome to the Builder Sessions. Hey, thank you for having me.
0: This is exciting. Hoffs Fangirling. I'm yeah. Fangirling. Yeah. For those that don't know uh, what you do or a little bit about yourself, or for those that don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, I am primarily a woodworker slash inventor. Um, I have a little channel over on YouTube, and then we play around on Instagram and uh and TikTok every great once in a while as well. I we still haven't figured out that platform. <laughs> it's an interesting place. It is. <laughs> um, so th- that's primarily what we do is make, uh, educational and content and entertainment content, uh, long form, uh, on YouTube. And we do some inventing. We've developed some products that are now available out there in the world for woodworkers and, uh, fabricators. Um, I think that's probably about, you know, the, we do, so I do some other stuff off the social media front, um, do a little bit of, um, uh, process engineering, process development in the manufacturing world. So, uh, a little bit of that, not, not as much as I used to. Uh, so that's, that's kind of my, um, my part-time real world gig, I guess. <laughs> and then, uh, I guess that's, that's really all about, that's a, that's about it. <laughs> not I love not how, super like, exciting. I love <laughs> how
2: nonchalantly you just said, I'm just an inventor. I mean, it's just, it's awesome.
0: (laughs) Uh, We,
1: we have a lot of fun and, um, and that's been an interesting world. YouTube has been a very interesting world for us. We've been on, on YouTube now, I guess, uh, March 19th, 2013 was our inaugural launch video, the worst video that's ever been published on YouTube. Um, but we've done a lot of learning over the last decade (laughs) and we've gotten a little bit better and, um, a few people have have decided that they'd they like to see more. So they follow us and, um, we've grown it into something of a, a nice channel and a, a nice business and it's been, it's been good to us. Social media has been one of those things that's been really good for us. So it's been an exciting journey for sure.
0: That's awesome. So if we go back, um, how like, were you big into tinkering, building things when you were younger? Did you take shop classes? Can you kind of tell us about your backstory?
1: So, yeah, my background is a little weird. Um, I'm a fifth generation, uh, craftsman. I come from a long line of builders and craftsmen and cool. tradesmen. And then, um, I was really in my young age trying to get away from <laughs> trades and the woodworking <laughs> as it were, because that's what my folks did and my grandfather did and my uncle Henry did and you know, oh, interesting, you know yeah. how that is. Yeah. So I went, uh, I went, uh, I was always a tinkerer, um, to answer your question. And, um, I went to a school <laughs> to become, um, an architect and realize I didn't want to be an architect. I actually wanted to build things. So I transitioned from that, to project management. And, um, when I got out of school and got my first project management job, I learned it was just a babysitting job. It really wasn't, <laughs> I didn't really get to build anything. Yeah. And I'm not a big, that, that's not something that was very fun for me. So that lasted a whopping 16 months in my project management job. And then I went into business for myself and I have been ever since. Um, either um, building long homes or uh, rustic furniture we owned a rustic furniture manufacturing facility for a long time up until '08. everybody knows what happened in 2008 yeah and there was some life transitions at the time um where my ex had moved quite a ways away from where we were based out of and i you know it just was a great opportunity to kind of transition and we made a lot of good relationships in that industry so i was able to kind of sell my designs, sell a lot of the equipment and I really didn't have to work. So I met, I moved, I moved from Michigan to Charleston in, in, uh, 2010, 2009, late 2009. And I've been in, um, and I, I've been in South Carolina ever since with the exception of a couple of jobs that were up North. Um, so yeah, I've been here doing that thing. I found YouTube, a friend of mine suggested it cause I was pretty much bored. I go fishing every day when I wasn't playing with the kids. You can get tired of fishing. Uh, <laughs> if you'd have told me that, you know, pre 2013, I'd have been like, no, nope. I mean, yeah, it's not yeah. possible. Are you but, kidding me?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Every day for two years, literally, even on Christmas site. I mean, that was, I was going for a record and, um, <laughs> and you could fish all year round down in, down in South Carolina. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. doable, mm-hmm. you know, not that you can't in Michigan, except for, you know, depending on how, how, how thin the ice you want to brave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you found YouTube and a friend of mine suggested it just as a way to meet other woodworkers. Cause in, at that time I was living in, in Charleston and there just wasn't, there wasn't no associations or groups or really anything. So we started making goofy videos on YouTube, just one-offs, like record from start to finish on my cell phone and then post it. And, uh, very shortly people started to pay attention cause we were, I was doing things that weren't typical on, on YouTube. You know, I, um, so that that group pretty rapidly for us into a small business. So
2: what what, what were the things that you weren't doing that were typical? What were the things you were doing that weren't typical on YouTube?
1: Well, we made a bowling ball on a table saw.
2: <laughs>
1: Wait, uh, what that got some attention. <laughs> uh, I made a bowling pin with a circular saw that got some attention. Oh, cool! Um, I showed people how to make round objects with all kinds of devices, circular saws using screwdrivers and crazy little mechanical setups and um you know it's just stuff like that and then i have a a unique personality so that worked really well that played really well into the social media world um because i'm kind of a just a nut job you know class clown goofball guy um and so that just kind of stuff like that and then as the channel evolved and i got more into like learning about video editing and doing some we did some more complex projects where we uh, i've designed a basically a 10 and a half foot tall 15 foot long tyrannosaurus rex that you can ride around it's powered by an 18 volt drill um things like that folding tables that seems for some reason for a while there that whole folding furniture phase was really good to us where you know one of my most viral videos was a, a literally a minute long video of a table i designed that folds up into about the size of a beer cooler and then it unfolds into like the size of a small picnic table Mm. Uh, that got a lot of attention so things like that that weren't atypical of content where most people were just like building a traditional jig or you know furniture um there was a lot of that and a lot of good a lot of good content around there but those guys all had really good editing skills and you know i think a lot of them had experience talking to cameras where i was learning all of that so i had to rely heavily on my technical abilities to get people's attention because I, you know, I, I my editing skills were crap for many years on social media. So I relied really heavily on on what the um you know on the technical aspect of what I could do to get to gain followers and notoriety and interest. Um that and a little bit of goofball personality thrown together seemed to work pretty well. That formula worked. I and then do- over the last five years everybody's seen it everybody's getting so much better at video and editing and all the stuff I mean Mm. it just like a lot of companies were getting involved and you really had to produce decent content at least I felt like it to get um attention so I begrudgingly started teaching myself better editing and sound and lighting and all the stuff so that's you know spent the last little more than half decade learning all that and we've gotten to a point where we can kind of hold our own. We're nowhere near as good as a lot of folks are, but we're good enough, you know? So then, and, and um, that works for us. I'm still trying to do just the things that people aren't thinking of, you know, um, inventing products around the industry and doing it in ways that are unique and um, different from what other people have seen, other approaches. So that's been a real originality and, and um, kind of thought provoking ideas around, around content has kind of been our, our, our home, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know?
0: How, how do you, how does the, like, where did you get your creativity side? Cause you uh, was going through your Instagram over the holidays and stuff. And just, I'm always mesmerized at the different products you create and they're, some of them are out there. They're very user friendly. Where did you, have you always been creative and tried to think outside of the box? Like even when you were younger? Or I is think,
1: it I think partially, I mean, I think I have that some people have a, an um, like some of you are a really good artists like they pick up a pen and shortly they're drawing really great pictures where a lot of us would struggle with that you mm-hmm. know i mean it's they're it, not that they didn't have to learn it it's just that they're naturally inclined to that so it's more it's more comfortable some people are great at english some are great at math yeah you know very few do you find the very few do people are both good at really both at both of those yeah you know um some people understand physics better, other people understand geometry better you know that's just the world the way the world is. Um, I I'm inclined to things that are mechanical I, I think very I, that sounds corny to say it but I sound, I, I think very three-dimensional the way mm-hmm. I process information and I'm very visual like if you say something, my brain automatically just visualizes it and you know, it's not like a like a just a thought it's a visual expression for me
2: Oh interesting um.
1: So I've always had that, which helped. And then um, in the rustic furniture world, and this is really where I give most of my credit to, the rustic furniture world was, we didn't do typical rustic furniture. We did uh, something that's called Adirondack style, like birch and twig mosaic, some fairly complex things. We didn't work with straight timber or straight poles. Um, Everything was shaped differently all the time. So I had to learn, and we... To this day i think we're the only production company that ever existed in in um, that that particular furniture genre most people are just you know small shops one-off shops and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why the stuff is so expensive so w- i learned to build equipment that lended itself to all the different geometries and shapes and sizes of things so we could make a make it make sense to turn it into a it, i call it production but quasi-production mm-hmm. um furniture And, you know, um, that was really, I think where I got, I made all the mistakes there and I learned a lot through that process. And this, this isn't something that just happened. I mean, you were talking a span of 15 years of making mistakes and learning and what works, what doesn't work, starting to understand material sciences and, you know, relay switches, motors, you know, pre-digital, you know, pre-popular digital stuff. And, um, so that's where I got my basic my basic knowledge of mechanical structure and working you know how things work and then um i'm fascinated by engineering by mechanics by um things and i'm a i oh god i love to learn like i i love new information i i devour it so and i'm pretty good at understanding the connection between things like understanding chemistry how that connects to real world issues real world things understanding engineering and how engineering works, um, with, within particular genres, like woodworking or agriculture or, you know, um, mm-hmm. things like that. So then that's, you know, those things aren't just, they don't just happen. That That's a, you know, a process. And, um, a friend of mine once said that, it you know, there was a saying, and I don't remember it verbatim, but if you do something for, you know, If you do one thing for 40 hours a week for, you know, three or four years, it makes you, you're in the top, you know, 10% of people in the world that do that thing. You know, if you do it for 10, you're in the top 2%. If you do it for more than that, you're in the like top 1.1 or, you know, 0.001%. And my whole life has been about, um, understanding the connections between things and solving problems. So that's, that's where I think the, the design ability comes from. The, and then just having a, a, a pretty serious um, pool of information to pull from to make things work the way I want them to um, also really helps. So I can look at something and say, okay, I have this object and I need it to move this way, this way, and this way, and understand the, the mechanics behind behind how that how I can make that happen. So I guess that's the best explanation <laughs> I can offer.
0: So it's cool. almost like backwards thinking. I. I different makers Let's and begin builders. begin with the end in mind, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, like I'll make something, I'll see something and try and make it. You've got almost an upper hand of having that, I guess, skill set and knowledge of the engineering and mechanics of it. So right there, your brain, like you're saying, you're almost, vis- and you're being able to visualize stuff. Uh, you're going from how it works to the design part. And you've already got that, you know, uh, strength in being able to visualize or draw right down how it's going to move which probably is helps your your products come along a little bit further throughout the prototyping and the the design phase
1: it definitely helps and um you know i know pretty much from the onset i know what's going to work and what's I, I have a good idea i mean i'm not saying i design things and they're perfect the first time it happens once in a while but not not often <laughs> um you know i have a pretty good idea about what's going to happen next just because i know what i'm putting into it Um, obviously there's often tweaks and adjustments and things that need to happen, but, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, so, and so there's, I mean, I hesitate to say there's really nothing special about that. And I, am not trying to pigeonhole myself. I realize that I put a lot of energy and Mm -hmm. hard work and time and, and, you know, into it. So in that aspect, it's special, but it's not something that somebody else can't achieve.
2: Yeah. Where do you think your love And there's of- a lot
1: of guys out there that can that, that are just not on social media. So yeah, no. I get to work with them. I get to work with them day in and day out and there's some really phenomenal people out there.
2: Where do you think your love of learning came from? Or your desire, your passion for learning?
1: I don't like not knowing things. I don't want to be in a conversation and not at least have some information about it so I understand it enough that I can have a conversation about it. Yeah. And the people that i tend to surround myself with are all smarter than i am so is
2: that by design um, that's by design right like most of the times, yeah. yeah
1: you know the engine i get to work with some engine just some of the best engineering teams in their fields in in certain industries i'm very fortunate that way but i walk into a room and i'm really the smallest person in the room 90 percent of the time so i'm always fighting to keep up mm. that's kind of where the information comes from where I, I like to learn as much as possible so i can at least be part of the conversation and have some inkling of understanding of what's actually happening around me. (laughs) So
0: almost kind of like hold your own in a sense.
1: Yeah. You know, at least understand the conversation. And, um, if you hang around with those people long enough, you start learning more and learning more and learning more and learning more. And then it becomes almost second nature after a short period of time of just absorbing and consuming the information. So like right now we're building, um, I had an opportunity, I presented a, a concept to an investment group um, via a, a, another company I will do some work with to build a, a factory from the ground up. Like literally blank slate, Izzy, this is, you know, you get the, a shot at this, give us your best idea. And I knew, I didn't know a whole lot about the input stream until I actually sat down and started learning about it, which took, you know, two or three weeks to get a really good grasp, not really good base knowledge for that. Then I designed a system and put a presentation together and, um, you know, and this is a project we'll be on next now for the next year and a half, two years, because they absolutely love the idea and the concept. So I get, this is my first opportunity to actually build, um, a scalable deployable system from the ground up. Like I get say in every single thing that happens with this, with this factory. Wow. And this is my, my first opportunity to do something like this. And we're all very, excited. Well, I'm very excited around here. Maggie's tolerating me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be exciting to be able to be at the forefront of that and everything goes through you, right? That's probably a lot of years of work and time invested to get to where you're at, to now be able to kind of see the fruits of your labor, I guess.
1: Yeah. And this is a 24 month project. So it's, you know, it's a fun project and it's just you know, and there's, it's leading down a lot of other paths, That we're finding very interesting It introduced us to a world in the, in the world of a first is green technology, which I'm absolutely a hundred percent on board with, Mm -hmm. you know, anything that we can do that makes, you know, living on our planet better. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, and then it's introduced me to a world of, of investors and other things that we just, you know, it's a ballpark that I've never played in before. So the next two years of my life are literally going to be just like going back to college. Just constantly learning, constantly trying to understand, and and um, and developing these systems at the same time. So it's it's really exciting. It's a really exciting time over here.
2: Sounds like it. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. What yeah. I'm wondering if we take a step back for a second, what was the first? What was the first product or tool that you invented?
1: Uh the first proprietary system I designed was. Um, a type of bandsaw following system to make chair seats to make curved chair parts, Mm. uh, at a production line. And this was, oh boy. Uh, I guess it was 1997, 1997 when I did that 1996 that was patented. Um, it wouldn't be anything anybody would ever see unless you were into mass quantity production of chairs. So, um, that was my first big product and most of the stuff I did up until YouTube was all, um, with a couple of minor things, um, was all more factory level, uh, proprietary production equipment. Like we designed, we had a problem. We needed a piece of equipment that did a, a multiple of tasks at a single time. Instead of trying to have one piece of, of, of a part of furniture going down a product line, doing one task at a time, I designed equipment to accomplish, Three to five different operations mm-hmm. at a single time, so most of that stuff was a, like things like that.
2: So the reason why I asked is, if you're the first product that you're the, the first product that you're thinking of designing, and obviously you've you're focusing on meeting a need, which you've touched on before, um, and solving mm-hmm. problems, um, was there a struggle for you as far as um, like a a confidence piece? Was there um, what do they call that? Imposter syndrome when you were de- developing this did you ever think like oh, who's going to who's going to want to use this or see this or care about what i have to say about that or were you always like okay this is going to fix things this is going to make a lot of people you know their production systems a lot more efficient and everyone needs to hear this like where were you in, in that i guess
1: i think right was- in the beginning of it probably i'll tell you guys a quick story um one of my tr- very short short jobs when i was very young was working for a, a rustic furniture manufacturing. They did mostly barnwood furniture mm-hmm. and I got, I got fired. That's the only job I've ever been fired from. I went in there and I was looking at their operations and what they were doing. And I'm like, this is so inefficient. I mean, you could be doing this so much better. And they got tired of me telling them how they could be doing things better. So my job, my job lasted about three weeks there. Uh, uh 10 years later, they hired me as a consultant and I came in and I saved them 30% on a $6 million furniture line. Um, that is my first consulting gig. That was the first consulting gig I had. So this is the same company that fired me 10 years earlier. (laughs) After that, um, I kind of knew that, I. I mean, I had a special ability to kind of see processes and where the gaps were and how to fix those processes. And I think after that, in that world, I don't have imposter syndrome anymore. I mean, I know I'm capable of doing, um, things and I know that because of my disciplines i i see things that other people don't see um now in the social media world like when we're st- when we're giving presentations or talking and stuff like that i get the i still get that imposter syndrome from time to time like i think last two workbench cons ago i was giving a talk on creativity and i was I'm like i don't really belong up here you know so and creativity is such a it's such a hard topic to talk about yeah. you know It's like, you know, how do you train somebody or how do you have a a 45 minute conversation with somebody and give them enough information to know that there's exercises and ways and things that you can do to become, to to be more, not necessarily become more creative. I think we're all, you know, I've never met, I've never met a five-year-old that wasn't creative as hell, Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, ever, you know, and I think school beats us out, beats that out of us and world, the world beats that out of us. And some people tend to hang on to it really, really well, where other people kind of just go the way of the world, I'd call it, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. that's a bad, bad way of saying it, that, uh, tend to kind of lose sight of that. Um, so it's just rekindling what the, what people once already had. So, you know, and I think that's, that's a challenge. So yes, there are times where I feel imposter syndrome, especially in those type of circumstances. Now, if I was talking to a factory about how they can improve, they can improve their processes and their workflows and understanding movement and no there's, there's zero zero problems there it's yeah it's when typically i get in some kind of abstract thing where i have to talk about uh, creativity or you know if i did a class on cnc machining or or um you know thermoforming or something like that i'd be solid right yeah no problems but <laughs> um when you're asked to speak on abstract that's always been a tough one for me and i i, I it's probably to my my um, detriment, I have a tendency to say things like, I'm not very smart and I'm not, that's just it. I'm, everybody says you're smart, you do this. And I said, no, I'm good at a couple things, but I'm not in, you know, I'm, I'm getting too much credit and that's not, you know, that's really not a thing. So, um, and I, and I think I need to knock that off because I say that in sometimes in circumstances where I shouldn't, (laughs) but, um, it's my (laughs) (laughs) go-to.
2: We all have those. (laughs)
0: <laughs> what's your take on, like, you've it sound like you've had a ton of experience on the job, um, schooling versus on the job experience. Can you, what's
1: your uh, I, take on that? I'm always hesitant to give advice on this. Mm-hmm. Um, because if it were up to me, I'd have never gone to college. Yeah. It was okay. the worst thing I ever did. Yeah. The one, the one advantage I got from school was confidence that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't gone to school. Mm-hmm there was a a measure of confidence that came from some of the education. Now I never finished college. I'm not degreed. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so there was a, there was a time there where I I had an opportunity to get hired away into a pinnacle construction group which at the time was an up and coming commercial construction group building largely kidney dialysis centers and medical facilities. And they offered me more than I would have been making with a, a degree. And this is, and I still had a year and a half or two years to go. Um, and, and that wasn't something I was gonna, you know. I was like, heck yeah. yeah, like, get yeah. me out of here. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but honestly, the, I think college is good for confidence and some roundabout information, but it's a painfully slow way to learn. Mm-hmm. And I mean, painfully slow. Um, my favorite classes in college were the open entry, open exit classes. I don't know if that's a thing anymore, but back then you could study it, you could complete your course at your own pace. You know, like you, for back, for back, for instance, one of my first open entry open exit classes was how to, um, computer science, formatting, floppy disk and basic understanding of computer. Yeah. Formatting (laughs) a floppy (laughs) disk. Right, guys.
2: Three and a half for the the big guy.
1: You know, and that was like, I did the whole course in a weekend. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it was done, you know, I sat down, I did, I did all my course curriculum. I did all the studying. I did everything and I did it in a weekend and I'm like, all right bring it on. You know, this is great. But unfortunately, a lot of those classes where let's sit here for three hours and use, you know, listen to a lecturer that sounds somebody like Ferris Bueller's Day Off teacher. Yeah. You remember him? Yeah. You know, there's it's impossible. I don't care who you are and if you've had three Red Bulls, you cannot stay awake for their course. No. It's not possible. <laughs> you know, and I think that's a giant waste of time. You know, there's a lot of, there's very fast ways of learning of the information that you need. Now that said, if you're a doctor, and I'm not going to come to you unless you, you know, unless you yeah. have a degree. <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that's, you know, okay. I don't want anybody giving me back surgery that, that has, doesn't have a degree and 20 years of experience. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. It seems like more of the hands-on, the trades, the engineering, art, maybe not architect. It just, it seems like there's a, uh, the learning process can be expedited when you're on the job introduced to many different scenarios um sometimes schooling doesn't always in you know they've got their curriculum and not to say that schooling isn't important uh but lots no. of times you learn specifically in what area you're in and the different variables that uh come up yeah. from that that sometimes you know whoever's teaching the curriculum or the professor or whatever um, or the trades teacher whatever it may be they might not be in that scenario or even know the variables so it's hard to um what am I trying to say here I guess it. it the value, the value from on the job experience, uh, I find second to none, uh, on a lot of things, obviously you need a baseline knowledge. Um, but that on the job, uh, can be very beneficial in, depending on what sector, uh, if you're in really specialized industry, probably on the job is, uh, very valid too.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, some of the courses like on schooling on marketing and social media management and, um, even some of the business management, other things, the degrees that are required for those are just, are, they're stupid. I mean, <laughs> social media has a, you know, I mean, look at some of the great, the biggest content creators in, just in our space, you know, they none, nothing that they did, you know, in if they have a degree helped them with becoming a, a large social media, you know, content mm-hmm. creator, they had a unique perspective. They knew how to video edit. They did some sharing and it worked for them. So you know, having some marketing understanding helps a lot, but there's a basic set of rules that you can follow. And if your content is anything, has any interest at all, um, it's going to get followed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I and, and in all fairness, it's much harder today than it was 10 years ago to build a significant channel. You yeah. Know, that's, yeah. you know, that's, there's no, there's no ifs, ands or buts about it, but it's definitely possible. People are doing it every day, all day long.
0: And exposed so, yeah. to a lot of different you know, technology too, that's out yeah. there that back then, like you said, f- filming on your phone or something. Now you've got these, you know, for even say the GoPro, for instance, you know, a 4K little camera that you can have on a, a stand mount on your workbench, a helmet cam. Like there's the advancements in technology is yeah. through the roof.
1: Yeah. And I was filming on a galaxy note nine back then, Oh nice. you know, which was the most advanced Android yeah. phone at the time. Yeah. But now we just got the ultra 23s. And there's, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, you know, it's like, you know, if you look back at the note nine, it would be one of those little plastic toys you buy for kids now (laughs) and the galaxy 23, I can, I can record an eight K on that thing. So I could easily make videos on my phone now. I mean, it it records an eight K, you know, the, the kind of system, the kind of computer system you'd have to have to, to reasonably edit eight K is ridiculous, Yeah, you know, so you Just don't do it, and we but. have it on our phones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man. yeah, it's the technology's come quite a ways, and so is the editing. I mean, there's a lot different, there's a lot more editors that are available now than there were back then. They're a lot more user friendly. There are a lot of those companies that want to be really competitive, are designing their systems to be more and more understandable, so there's less of a learning curve. You don't need a college degree to to learn how to use Wondershare or, you know, even yeah. DaVinci Resolve is getting easier and easier to use.
2: Yeah. You know, exactly. so. that's what we're, that's what I've been dabbling with right now is DaVinci Resolve. I, but we, st- I started with Wondershare. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't quite want it. I didn't want to settle for windows movie maker. So I, I bought Wondershare and then. Is, is like, <laughs> movie
1: maker still a thing? Cause that's what I use for like the first three or four years. Yeah. I After think I it is. Editing, I used the old version of Wendy's windows movie maker.
2: But the, the yeah. thing, the, Even the the like all the open source stuff that's coming out now, and the gatekeepers are starting to kind of dissolve away into the abyss, you know. And it's really cool.
1: Over the next five years, you're going to see you're going to see video, the level of video go from what it is now to just ridiculous with AI with the advent of AI. And you know, now we're seeing some of the AI video formats starting to just kind of peek out a little bit. It's going to be crazy. So.
2: So when you introduced yourself at the at the top of the show, you called yourself a woodworker, um, but I see a three D printer behind you. I see a, t- a torch. Oh yeah, T lasers, three printers. You, so
1: you name it. Would do you thermoforming all kinds of stuff. Buy into
2: the maker label or like what are you, where where are you at with that
1: whole thing? Uh, <laughs> I. I going I'm going to throw myself right under the double decker <laughs> bus. Um no, not really. I mean, so the we call it the maker movement yeah. and that's that's fairly new that whole maker movement but if you look at our history and I mean the history of not just the US but our human history uh, we've always been makers. Mm-hmm. We've always mm-hmm. been always been innovators, always been creators, always been not quite satisfied. You know, I was looking to how I make this better. How can I make my life better? And how can I make my family's life better? And how can I make my community's life better? We've always done that. I mean, that's always been a thing. We've always tried building things. We've always created things to make more comfort. So maker doesn't, isn't new, you know, social media is new, (laughs) you know, uh, but the maker movement has been happening for a thousand years. It's not new. Um, so um, I, I don't know. I mean, makers are a really easy way to kind of just say a thing, you know, yeah, like yeah. Just a, it's a descriptive thing, but it, it leaves so much out, you know, like a, a good chef could be a maker. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my grandmother who knits phenomenal, my grandmother, who, nat- who, who was, could knit phenomenally. I mean, like professional level, crazy cool stuff she'd be she'd be a maker you know mm-hmm. someone who makes dolls and does a great you know does a, a that's that's a maker um i think even people who don't think that they're creative but still do things to make their houses better and paint and you know try different decorations with furniture and stuff like that in, a, in the in the descript, in under the descriptive of the word it's that's still that's still inclusive yeah. so i like it in that way but it can describe a lot of people um but as far as I also think in a way, it pigeonholes a lot of what we do. Um, because I mean, if I had to say what, if I had to give a word to what I am, I'm a fabricator. I'm not a woodworker necessarily. I'm not a, I'm not a design. I mean, not that I don't do a lot of designing, but that's not the keystone. The keystone is the fact that I fabricate things and they become physical reality. And I don't, not just in wood, you know, I mean, plastics and, you know, um, you know, wood, plastic, stone, cements you know metal anything that anything that needs to be done i'm willing to do it so at the end of the time i'm more of a fa so if i had to say that i'd say oh yeah fabricator you know but yeah that's a good question and it sucks every time people ask it because i don't have a good answer for it i, I kind of always i was i was kind of fishtail with that with the answer for that one i just don't know what that you know what that I i need a good answer for that question in the future
2: well i like i like asking it because um, right now, it's it's a hot word, right? Uh, with the show, that making fun show on Netflix, while we were sitting here talking, I'm like, why didn't they ask this guy? Why didn't they ask Izzy <laughs> to be on that show with those other guys? That'd be, that would have been cool. And But it's, it's, it's trendy, you know, maker, maker, maker. But like you said, humanity is composed of makers. It's like out of necessity. Yeah.
1: We, were, we were makers back when we were slinging clubs and making our underwear out of, you yeah. know, bear hides the wheel that's just yeah. <laughs> there it is so so the say maker movement is you know it's a it's a little non-plus it's like yeah. you, you know we've been doing this forever you know it's not new it's a lot more publicized now we have access to so much more information than we did even when i was a young man you know if i had information if i had access to information right now that in when i was in my teens i would have been dangerous mm-hmm. you know just because yeah I, know, I mean i carry the world around in my pocket if I need information about math, equations, formulas, anything, I can pick up my phone and ask the question. And within usually two or three websites, I can find the answer, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's scary. You know what, what you can do with the, with the power that's at our fingertips these days, but. So
0: I got a question here for you. You CNC machining, laser engravers, 3d printing, How does Izzy face when a new piece of technology or machine equipment tool comes out? How do you go about uh, learning how to use that uh, to its best potential use?
1: Well, um, make it make sense for everybody. I break everything into pieces. So um, I don't look at the whole of things anymore like I used to when I was young. I looked at a whole of a car and looked at the engine and said, I can't understand that. That's, that's too much for me to understand. But when I break it down to, um, how does it make a spark? And I understand that that's one piece of information and that's easy piece of information to learn. I mean, I, I can, I could teach anybody how a car makes a spark in, in a five minute conversation. Um, and then I look, then I, then I learn, you know, how does, how does that, that spark create a combustion that creates movement. And I can explain, you know, I can explain how there's a little explosion, you know, inside of a cylinder and the cylinder pushes and it moves on a, on a and it moves on a rod that, you know, creates, you know, rotary movement. And that's easy to, that's easy to explain. That doesn't take a lot. It's that's easy to tell you, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, wh- what happens after that? How does that power get to the wheels? And you go, well, there's a drivetrain. And then you explain the five or six parts of the drive trade and how they translate or they transmit, transmit that energy down the transmission. That's easy to understand too, you know? And so when you break things into small chunks, instead of trying to go like, you know, first time anybody jumps into a 3d modeling program, to understand 3d modeling. They instantly screw up by just, instead of focusing on one or two or three things up in the right-hand corner and what they do, they start clicking on everything. And start, you know, try to do all the stuff. And that's where they screw up. If they stop, and it doesn't take long, this is this is the thing. I taught myself SketchUp in a weekend. I mean, functionally very capable of designing anything in 3D modeling inside of SketchUp in a weekend because mm. I didn't do the thing that everybody does. I take one aspect of it and I learn how it works. Mm. I learned how the push-pull works. I learned how to make a square. I learned how to save save products how to take it in and out of 3d modeling space you know i i understand that there's there's lines there's points and there's surfaces and that's all there is there's nothing else in 3d modeling that once you understand lines points and surfaces you're you're halfway there to learning 3d modeling you know and at that point it just becomes a memorization exercise is where things are you know how do i get this this shape to extrude how do i put a hole in the shape how do i put a radius on the shape it's it's so easy i can teach anybody to 3d model in an afternoon if they stop and get out of their own damn heads yeah mm-hmm. this is where everybody gets this is where everybody screws up this is where social media is not helping yeah. our country our our people and the world by making everything in your face and fast you know it's this i mean you guys nobody here hasn't doom scrolled you know yeah, yeah. seriously so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um Just getting getting people to get out of their own damn way and, and quit, you know, effing up their heads and understand that in the most complex 3D model, each one of those parts is just a single part. And I can show you how to make a single part in five minutes. You know, and you'll understand it and be able to duplicate it. So if you can stop them from, you know, like looking at the whole engine and just looking how the spark is made first, and then once they understand that, move on to how it moves a cylinder. And then once they understand that, move on to how it transmits power. That's the fastest possible way anybody can learn is to take something complex, break it down into small bits. And then once you've done that a few times, you start understanding, even though you haven't jumped into something before, you understand where start is and where you have a good idea where finish is. So if you've never done anything, you don't have instruction and you jump into something... That's really the biggest issue is you don't know where start is and you don't know where finish is. Mm. So that's where education comes in. That's where people that have experience come in. They need to show you where start is and they can help you get to finish. But they do that by breaking it up into small bits of information that are easily digestible. And if it's presented properly, they stick, you know, and that's the other side of it. In typical education, when you present ideas, it's usually done in some very droll way, you know that's not exciting, and I'm not picking on you guys. No, <laughs> you know, it's true. You know, I know though. you're it's both true. teachers. It's true. So, but well, we're shop teachers. We don't do that. A little bit of information, <laughs> and make that little tiny bit of information interesting enough that the vast majority of the people who are or who are interested are going to grab that information, and it's going to stick somewhere in their you know somewhere in their post-synaptic. It's yeah. going to stay there. Um, you've just you've you've done it. You've you've gotten to the point where now you're teaching people how to um, do that. So as educators, you know that you have to teach a start point and a finish point and that information in between is valuable. But sometimes that information can feel like a lot to somebody who, especially kids, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, who are, may not be interested and may be distracted by their cell phones, their girlfriends, the booger that's floating around in their nose, whether their socks are on, right? And they're bugging them in their shoes. You have a big challenge, right? Yeah. So how do you make that information interesting enough that it stops them from being distracted by all those other things and just get them, just get them for a second to digest it. Um, that's, that's really where the power comes in is, you know, having a way to, having a way to show something to a group of people or a person that they relate to and understand and can digest. Um, so that's, um, that's how, that's how I happen to do everything with, I mean, literally everything I do, is broken down into small bits and I present it to myself in a way that I know I can digest it.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting. I love that. Because you've got CNC software, like on top of the softwares, you've got the physical machines as well as the inventing, like you've just got so much going on to be able to, and I think a lot of people get uh, stuck on that big picture. Uh, We were talking about that with a a guest earlier this morning too. They get stuck on that big picture. So if you can do kind of like a task list and break things down into smaller, uh, more manageable chunks, people are going to understand that even with like the engine you're talking about, that's, I never even thought of that. Like I'm not very mechanically inclined, but to go from spark to, you know, breaking it up like that, I'm starting to understand that more than just, Oh, how does a vehicle run? (laughs) I don't know, you push up yeah. right. There's so many different components. I take
2: there. it to my dealership and I <laughs> hand them this money.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're going, fix my multi quart sequential fuel injection system. I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, the multi-quart sequential fuel injection system on a vehicle is relatively simple if you break it down into its components. Yeah. It's yeah. All, yeah. all and there's not that many systems. components to it, just yeah. so you guys know. But um you know, if you break those things down and you, and you learn to present information to yourself in a digestible way, a way that you're just going to stick in your brain, it, it, it makes learning enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I mean, it becomes Mm -hmm. something that you enjoy and, um, can digest rapidly, Um, you know, and I think, and then what happens, what happens, what's really unique, especially across disciplines is there's a relationship between things that you wouldn't think that there's a relationship between uh, like chemistry and mechanical engineering. There's a, there's a really healthy relationship between those two things and when you start understanding at least uh, to a working knowledge of both sides you can start understanding the relationships between things that you know um and the relationships between cnc and 3d modeling and laser and you know even thermal forming um molding processes there's a lot of cross there's a lot of cross-pollination for mm-hmm. lack of a better term mm-hmm. so once you have a good understanding of one of them, it makes the next one easier and the next one easier and the next one easier and the next one easier until you get to a point where it's almost second nature, how these things work. It's like tying your shoes Yeah. at some point in your life. And this is a great analogy that my, my friend, Mike, um, uses from time to time at one point in your life, you didn't know how to tie your shoes. You know, all of us, we were all at one point. Does anybody think about tying their shoes now? Nope. No. It's the same because you do it every day, right? You do, yeah. it, you do it at least once every day, sometimes more than once. Um, it's an easy analogy to, to kind of translate over to, to education. Once you do something a bit and you start doing it so many levels deep, it becomes a lot like tying your shoes. It's just natural to, to think of things in a certain way.
2: I can relate to that as far as... I had a 3D printer before we got the plasma CNC table at our school, And it's all X Y Z. That's that's it, right? And I remember being so overwhelmed at this three. Looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh! But so overwhelmed at this Ender three Pro, and it's I've got
1: two of those in the other room. (laughs) (laughs) And and uh, or maybe the five. I don't know. It's one of them.
2: (laughs) And just like because I went to this professional we development the profe- session the PD class yeah, together PD, yeah. yeah way over my head i couldn't and it comes in <laughs> the box and it you teach they teach you how to put it together and do like a simple quick print and i'm like oh my gosh i'm going to screw this up and then now i look i have the same thing in a plasma table and the knowledge that i got from learning how to do this use this 3d printer it's all x y z it's all g code and going from model to and then basically you have to slice it a different in its in its particular way, so that yeah. it's just it's all connect, like you said it's all connected.
1: Yeah, and it, you know some people that are listening are going to understand what you said. Some are going to have no idea what yeah, you are talking yeah.
2: about. I just lost everybody. You know, yeah,
1: you know, and then, no, it's fine. You know, X is a motion. X is a movement one direction. Y is moving another direction, and Z is an up and down movement. So, you put those three movements together, those three accesses you create a box, mm-hmm. and your machine works within that side of that box. So it's just this box in air that the machine works inside of. And then G-code is how you tell that the head of that machine or the tool of that machine where to go inside that box and what to do. That's all it is. It's it's crazy, stupid, simple. If you break it down, you know, it really is. And that's where, that's where it's a little bit frustrating when you look at somebody who's like, I'll never, I can never learn CNC or I can never. I'm like, yeah, you could, buddy. <laughs> if you had any idea how, how yeah. dumb easy this is. Uh, if you just stop and get out of your head for a second and look at each component separately and what each component means, understand it before you move on to the next thing, and you're 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 going to know this in no time at all.
0: Mm-hmm. And to have so, that, and you won't.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, he mentioned something earlier that made that everybody experiences, and that's the that's the unknown paradox. Like I don't know. I'm putting this thing together. I've never seen one before. I've never used it before. I don't know what it how this is supposed to go, and even though he's getting instructions, there's still the fear because I don't know. I'm going to screw up. Yeah, I'm going to make a mistake. And you know what? You could have. It's possible, but it didn't matter. You're not. You're (laughs) not going to. The world. The world will not explode. Yeah, exactly. You will be able to fix anything that you didn't mess up on because you have somebody there showing you, or you have instructions. So there's nothing there to worry about. It's like, you know, the Confucius saying, if there's a problem and I can fix it, there's no problem. Yeah. You know, if there's a problem and I can't fix it, there's still no problem. Yes. So there's nothing you can do about it. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Uh, But, um, yeah, just getting people out of their own heads, that's a skill set that, you know, um, is highly valuable and helping them understand a path to, that isn't scary or isn't complex or doesn't make them feel, like they're intellectually inadequate um, is another very important thing to know and understand. And um, I think people would be a lot less intimidated about learning new technology like CNC's or 3D printers or lasers, whatever that is, especially if they saw the actual practice of being, of something being used, Mm -hmm. like, you know, how easy it is to run a a laser just by installing an image and sizing it and then telling it how fast you want to go and you know how long you want to how fa- how fast you want the speed to go and um the distance from the material that's how you change the power on a, on a laser mm-hmm. it's just by telling it how fast you want the laser to move and how close it is to the material that's it guys you yeah. know for those of you who are listening who want to step into laser there's nothing else you know as far as well, how we're talking about depth of cut yeah. um so how do you learn those two things? You learn it by learning really basic software that you inload, you can upload images into, and or DXFs, SVGs, which are file types, and then telling it how fast to go and how how far away from the material to be to create a desired result.
2: And if you screw up, I mean, you don't. People don't learn when they don't screw up. You you do something the first time. What did you learn? Nothing. You learned that yeah. you know, and then you screw up again, or you screw up after you've done that, and then you're like, oh maybe I should have done this way, maybe I should have done it this way, or just, you know, tips and tricks and that type of thing. You learn way more and you can pass that on to, to people as well.
1: Well, we tend to remember our mistakes more than our successes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if, the, if, the success, if successes are small successes, like if something's working, like if you feel like it's supposed to, you, you don't, you're, you're glad, but you don't remember it until it does something it's not supposed to. And then you remember like, oh crap, this thing did, you know, This thing screwed up or I screwed up or something. Um, and that's, um, that's just part of it. So you're right. You tend to remember those things better than you do. Like when I break CNC bits to this day, I still do it. I've been, I've been running CNCs for a long time. I've run many, many different types of platforms and systems. And, and, um, I've used lots of different, um, uh, ways of writing G code. And, uh, every once in a while, you know, I'll be programming and I'll, type in some numbers and either forget <laughs> to put a decimal place in yeah. where it's supposed to be or just not paying attention and forget to change my depth of cut and, uh, change a bit, forget to change the depth of cut. And there's a whole different ball game of things that happen than what you expected to happen. Mm-hmm. So, and if you look at my CNC, you'll almost never see a really nice spoil board. There'll always be a really weird looking hole in it somewhere. <laughs> and and that's why it happens all the time <laughs> with me. So, <laughs>
0: Well, I think it's like part you, of the process. I, I think, like you said earlier, too, when you look at something, so I'm just thinking back to that uh, 3D printer workshop we were at. I didn't really care about the process of putting it together. I wanted to get it done so I could print some cool, you know, unique shape thing. So I was already going from starting at ground zero with no knowledge of anything, of how it even works, to I want to go and print off a 3D skull, which is mm. not the proper way to go about it where you're saying, you know, chunk things together. So say for example, like a CNC, um, you start with maybe doing some V, V carve, uh, logos and stuff, and maybe go into some, you know, squares and circles, cutouts. Once you learn that and learning the program and chunking it, then you can start getting into maybe a bit, uh, more complicated, complex file types. But if you're trying to go from opening up vcarve or aspire and wanting to design this crazy, uh, project and not knowing the basics, you're going to sit there and spin and get frustrated and probably not get too far and not learn anything. Right. Cause you're just trying to go from that big picture idea. So I think that's where it's very vital is to break it down into smaller pieces, know what they are so that you can build upon that and you don't get down that confusion, swirl and just give up.
1: You have a really expensive clothesline. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean, you got to understand, there's no chance that you're going to do advanced geometry if you don't know how to count to a hundred. You know, so learn to count to a hundred first and then worry about advanced geometry after that. Yeah. So
0: So simple, really? Like you just got to chunk it down, but it's so easy into your mind where you see something on social media, some cool tool, you get it and you just want to go to the like... From zero to 100 you want to pick that project that's 100 it's the most complex and it never happens
1: <laughs> yeah but to be totally fair you pick the right kind of tool genre for that i mean 3d printing right yeah you mm-hmm. can buy um you can buy an any cube or a, a bamboo right now put it on your bench press a like little calibration sequence and then go to thingiverse and find yeah. something that you want to 3d print put it on a put on a usb card or even hook your machine up to the dang printer your computer up to the printer plug it in and press go and you don't have to learn you have to learn how to configure you have to learn how to push two or three buttons to configure the tool Mm -hmm. and then you have to learn how to download a file and upload it into you know a 3d splicer and there's lots of them that are very very user friendly Mm -hmm. um and you watch one video you know one 10 minute video and you're printing you know not necessarily 3d modeling and not maybe getting the most out of your printer but you're printing and that's a right, that's a step in the right direction. And there come a time when you're like, I'd really like to make my own models. And <laughs> yeah. that's, that's how you capture people right there. It's <laughs> like, Hey, I can show you how to do that. And it's not that hard. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's, that's, you pick the right one. I think 3d printers and lasers, the desktop style lasers with their own apps and stuff are probably the most friendly for introduction into that type of technology. Um, provided you understand that lasers can be harmful to your eyes, you need to wear protection, things like that, you know. Mm. Um, But, yeah, that's pretty exciting. Where you get into CNC technology, there's a little bit more, there's a little bit more bandwidth of information that's needed to be used, um, you know, from feeds and speeds and hold down configurations so your material doesn't go flying off your machine, you know, things like that. But, again, they're just small bits of information that are broken down, and once you have the whole of them it becomes almost second nature after a very short period of time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Love that. What's the coolest project you've ever been a part of?
1: I got to work with SpaceX a little bit. Really? Um, nice. Yeah, through a contractor. I worked for a contractor who was working for SpaceX. I got to help develop some techniques and stuff for them. I can't necessarily, I can tell you it didn't go into space. It was ground-based stuff. Um, I can't tell you a whole lot about that project, but that was fun. Um and then, uh, let's see. Besides that, that wasn't really like a crazy, crazy exciting project. I mean, it was just cool to say that I was doing something for SpaceX, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got, I've got, I've gotten so lucky to work on a lot of really cool things. I think the one I like the most is the one I'm working on right now, and we're talking with the investors right now about potentially being able to do some video content around what we're doing. Is provided the IPs in place, the intellectual property protection. Mm-hmm. is in place before we start talking about it uh so we may get to share some of that which will be fun um yeah it's it's always hard i'm always really into whatever i happen to be working on at the moment so uh I, you know the last project we did with a little i don't know if you guys got a chance to catch my latest video we did a push stick you know for mm-hmm. the table sides just a couple different concepts based around that idea and yeah how to make them um more interesting, more functional, a little bit safer, you know, potentially a little bit safer. Yeah. Um, so we did that. Uh, that's fun. Um, do you find joy
0: in the, like the day to day projects where you're in the shop trying to perform a cut on a table saw or bandsaw, and it's just not working. And then, so for example, your outfeed jigs that you make for the, um, for the table saw, and even your, um, folding tables to put, you know, everything's about, it seems like it's about efficiency, um, use user, um, efficiency, I guess, kind of the
1: world. I mean, I I guess, I I guess for people looking in, it can get kind of a humdrum because I I live in the world of efficiency. Mm -hmm. You know, I I live in the world of, of, um, you know, the Toyota uh, 4S, you know, I live in the world of, of, you know, that particular world and efficiency in the business world means, uh, time saved and money saved and safety and a lot of things. Um, and it might feel, feel funny for some people to hear safety come out of my mouth because a lot of what I do looks crazy you know like turning bowling balls on table saws like who does that right yeah um but that is very well thought out very well planned and I understand exactly what's going on in the mechanically and physically with the, with it so it's less dangerous necessarily I'm not saying it's not dangerous for others uh, but it's not as dangerous as it looks because I'm I am very careful about how I do that I I don't want to get hurt. Yes. Um. But um, yeah. I. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's, it's a fun world. Just seems really interesting.
0: What? You know what you do day in day out. Some people, like you said, they might not find these videos or product um very exciting. But I think when you look down at the, if you can get away from okay, but it's just a simple aid or jig. But look at the geometry, the physics, the mechanics mechanical part, the aptitude it takes to design these just the thought to help you out. I mean anybody can use like one of your folding tables so um to flip it up onto the table saw nonstop I'm taking a full sheet by myself. Lots of times I'm with kids but lots of times I'm doing on my own. But even in the cabinet shop you're manhandling these you know big pieces of plywood material And, you know, you're probably not doing your body (laughs) very good justice with this. And all of a sudden you've created something that you could put on wheels, move it over to the lift, throw it on, and you're just on top of the efficiency. It's just, I I find it intriguing, the design part, how you go about, um, you have a problem and you design a solution. Uh, I just think it's so cool that you get to do this day in and day out and, um yeah, it's it's just awesome.
1: Yeah, that's one of my the that large in feed for plywood on the table saw. Um, that's one of the best projects I've done this year. And I know it seems simple and it's not it's not overtly flashy or anything. It's just a simple thing. But I wish I would have done that 20 years ago. Because like mm-hmm. yourself, I spent a lot of many years, you know, throwing full sheets of you know, three quarter inch and even up to one inch plywood and MDF <laughs> on a table saw by myself, cutting it and that would have saved my back so mm-hmm. much, you know, hard, hardship. Um, you know, it's one of those things that I, I when it's necessary, I design it and yep. it wasn't necessary before, <laughs> yeah, for me, yeah. you know. So, and uh, we all kind of design for ourselves in lots of ways, you mm-hmm. know, we, mm-hmm. we're solving our own problems. Um, so I wish I would have done that years ago, that just made a whole lot of sense, and now we that There's not a full sheet of plywood that touches that table without those lifts, without that you know those extensions being on mm-hmm. the table saw. So, yeah, it just doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, think smart or work smarter, not harder. Right. There you go. right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's
1: the that's the one.
2: <laughs> so, is we we work with um, Grind Coffee Co. And one of the questions we like to ask our guests is, "What was one? It's we call it grind time." And what what was one event or like in your career? One thing that happened that you had the choice that you could, you know, throw in the towel or grind through it, and how'd you, what what part of you, like, what got you through that?
1: Uh, <laughs> my dad was a Marine Corps drill sergeant, and my mom was a, a, a ARAM in a maximum security prison. She ran three cell blocks.
2: Oh, wow.
1: So we didn't, quit wasn't it something that we, yeah. we talked about in our house. No
2: kidding, yeah
1: um it was either you know do or die kind of thing <laughs> yeah. so um you know and my dad had a really good saying and it's you know it's nothing it's not it's nothing you know prophetic or anything it's just you know when when the times are you know when you when you have this is one of the reasons the horn hat is kind of my thing um he said when times are tough you know do what a steer does just drop your head down and bull through it you know so i love that you know that's kind of what you know we do i mean there's i be i have to be careful about giving that advice because sometimes there are times when you should stop folks <laughs> you know when it you know there are there are equations that the the answer is stop you know and um I, I that took me a few times to learn that you know so i can remember there's a few times i didn't when i should have said no and stopped and said this is not this is not right um and just went through it. And after stepping back and looking at it, you know, a year or two later, going, yeah, that was dumb. I should have just moved my energy and efforts onto the next thing, not, not stuck, not, not ground that out. But, um, let's see. Sometime that it actually happened, um, it was actually YouTube. Uh, about f- six years ago, I was pretty much done with YouTube. I was ready to, I took three months off, maybe five years ago. Um, 2017, 2018, we had lost a few members of the family. There was a lot going on personally. I had an opportunity to get a very well, very, very good paying job that was kind of like right up my alley and fun and easy. And, um, I, I think that year I was, I mean, you know it would, a squirrel fart would have gotten me up, would have, would have convinced me that I was done with YouTube. But you know, um, there was a part of me also that was like, you, there's this, I enjoyed that. I hate video and editing. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And nobody wants to hear you say that out loud because that's what I do. Right. But I love the educational aspect. I love the community side of what we do. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of really good people in this community and, and, you know, for lack of a better term, the community is almost like a um, a secular church in a way. It's that type of, it's that kind of camaraderie between you know woodworkers and content creators and other makers. And I really enjoy that aspect of it, and I love the educational aspect of it, and I love sharing ideas. You know, my you know if I do something that inspires somebody else to to think through uh, a problem or maybe think outside the box a little bit, and they do it, that's pretty exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think at that point there was, that was, for me, it was like getting back into getting back into, and you can go look, you'll see like a big gap in, in content, <laughs> like big gap on Instagram, big gap on YouTube, TikTok Wasn't a thing yet. Uh, I almost didn't come back, you know, but I think at, at the end of the day, after a couple of months of thinking about it, I was like, you know what, this is valuable. It's worth it. I'm going to stick with it. And, um, at that point it was a great thing because that job that I got offered would have lasted about two and a half years and it would have been gone, Mm. you know, not that I wouldn't have been able to fill that shoe, fill those with something other, something else. But, um, and since then, um, I met my wife, I made a lot of really valuable friends, uh, a lot of valuable networking opportunities that are, you know, both friendship and business that I would have never, it would have never happened if I had done that. And I'm so, so glad I didn't. So yeah, I'm glad I ground that one through. Cool. That wasn't really a grind. That was more of a, an emotional grind than it was a physical grind, but I feel you know, like same, same a
2: lot of them are, I think more than yeah. they're more emotional and intellectual grinds than it's a head game a lot of the times, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a unique thing. Like I know people that do meetings and. Working in an office all day long. And I'm not, I mean, a lot of people are really good at it and enjoy that work and I'm not picking on them. What I'm saying is I think they have a superpower that I don't have. Yeah. Because if I have to spend a day doing meetings and just like, and I do that from time to time, you know, a lot more lately it seems like, but, um, at the end of the day, I am so much more exhausted than a day in the shop and I have a bad back. So working in the shop is painful. Um, like a really bad back. So, you know, pushing a board through a, you know, a table saw or standing up for five or 10 minutes to do a, a, um, you know, a video recording sequence. Those things are very painful for me, but all that said, and that's not to get, gain sympathy. I'm just trying to say that's physically difficult for me to do, but a day of meetings is way more exhausting than a day in the shop. I mean, when I sit on the couch at the end of the day, I'm like, after meetings, I'm like, just, you know, um, vodka. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I had enough. You know and I could come in from a day in the shop and I'm covered in dirt and I'm already had a couple scratches and I'm sore as hell. And I'm ready, I'm like, let's play some cards, let's do something. Yeah, you're fulfilled,
0: gonna, right? You're yeah. fulfilled, you're yeah, because you're enjoying so, what you're doing and yeah. you have that passion. I feel like, yep. we we probably can talk for both of us, but even being off now, this is our uh, what are we, week and a half off mm-hmm. on holidays, and I'm already itching. I've kind of got that, I want to get back on the tools, and I'm always kind of a that go, 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 um, yeah. which is nice to relax. I think we all need our time to be able to, you know, rest, relax, spend time with family reset in a way. Um, but I'm just non to get back on the materials because it's a, again, a different time, whether you're at home with your kids all day or your, you know, meetings, phone calls, all that. It's just that emotional, uh, exhaustion, um, I find takes way bigger of a toll on me than the physical side. I've, I'm more rejuvenated when I get home after being in the shop than, you know, doing different things that aren't that way. So I can totally, yeah. uh, I, I feel your pain on the all-day meetings.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a thing, you know, I mean, and I'm, I have friends that are, are the opposite, you know, that are, they can do a day of meetings and, and, you know, creative thinking and especially the some marketing folks that I know and they come out of that, they're ready to go. And I'm just like how i need to go (laughs) to the shop for 10 minutes then i'll be back you have powers that i don't that i don't have
2: (laughs) you know that's a cool way of looking at it too though you have powers that i don't have i like that um
1: yeah it's a fun it's um anyway so yeah i'm glad i'm still here on social media and doing the youtube thing it's been a it's been a great ride you know and i just hit 50 this year and just got married you know and um lots of fun stuff planned so you know when i people ask like how long are you going to use it? i don't know <laughs> just i don't have an answer for that um yeah. for a while you know we'll yeah. keep making videos i know that i'm less than i was you know years ago i'm not you know i don't if i get a video out every week i don't care yeah you know if i put one or two out a month i'm yes i got two videos out this month um mm-hmm. if i relied on it for income and all that stuff that would be a different story but we don't so you know it's it's part of it, but it's more at this point, it's more, I'm doing this because I want to do it, not because I have to do it. And that was the other part that I had back then is like, I kind of have to do this now. Cause I just, like, this is kind of what I focused on for the last five years, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I repositioned myself where it's not, it's not as important for us, you know, financially and as a family to, that we have that income. So it's, it's still good, but it's like, it's not as important as it used to be.
0: So So as we wrap up here, Izzy, um, we typically end the show with our three questions. Um, what advice do you have for somebody, uh, that is interested in getting into the fabrication world or industry?
1: Um, it depends on what facet of the industry that they're interested in, to be honest. And there's a lot of them, you know, I mean, there's welding and machining and, you know, machining now has become more and more CNC technology than anything else. So there's still old school machining too available um there's the woodworking world there's all these different places to be and and it also would depend on what if they want to do it professionally if they're just thinking about getting into it as a hobby you know Mm -hmm. but i think the most important thing i would say is understand you know when they're learning things is to stop don't let them get into their get out of their own damn way you know learn how to break things up learn figure out where the start the stop points are and the finish points are and how to how to evaluate what's important to learn in those in those things and you know then you you can do that by finding you know peers that are doing the same thing um which is a great source of information especially in the the maker community because there are so many people out there it's, that are happy to help they're happy to offer advice they're happy to point you in the directions of some good video content um you know, there's lots of good schools that have been popping up and, and, um, even courses now that have become more and more popular. And those have a lot of valuable content usually for, you know, depending on some people think they're priced too high or whatever, but I, for what they're getting out of them, I, I don't think they're, you know, I think they're, it's, they're incredible. So, um, those are all good, um, all good sources, you know, don't believe everything you see on YouTube either, you <laughs> yeah. know, be careful there y'all. Yeah. Uh, just because, and you know, I love Jimmy DiResta and I'm not picking on him, but just because Jimmy didn't, doesn't mean you should. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and more, more poignantly, just because I did it, you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, know, So there's those, those, but, you know, um, it really depends on what a person wants. So that's, it's kind of a broad question that you're asking there, but there's, you know, the, the approach is the same. It, it, when it comes to the information, remember you're not going to learn everything all at once. You know, yeah, if you, if you're very specific on what you want to learn, that's pretty easy to, um, to research. If you're more broad, you know, figure out where you want to start mm-hmm. and where that finish point looks like for you and then kind of fill in those gaps. So that's, that's important. Um, I think that's the best answer yeah, I can yeah. offer. Yeah.
0: Now what about some um, technical skill sets like around your area? So if you want to focus on the woodworking side, um, fabricator maker, I mean, kind of what you're doing. Um, what are some technical skill sets that are important to develop uh, while uh, material
1: into- science is a really important technical aspect if you want to be a fabricator, even in some woodworking. Uh, understanding the material science of wood and plywoods and different styles of woods. You know, understanding the what short chain carbohydrate or short chain molecules and long chain molecules are when it comes to perf- performance that. Of- I said molecules, um, you know, the way, the way cells relate, relate to each other in, in, in wood, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 um, the cellulose in wood, how they relate to each other, how they adhere, understanding the performance values of those things, depending on what you're doing with it. If you're making a desk, no, you don't have to worry about it. Right. Don't worry about it. But if you're making a dog sled, you have to better, you better start thinking about it, you know? And that sounds, that sounds kind of silly when you don't understand, but if you're trying to make a dog sled, out of applewood or out of birch, it ain't going to work (laughs) y'all. You're going to need to use ash or, you know, white Oak or something along those lines. So understanding the differences in the values and in the wood strengths and materials, depending on what their uses are is a great thing to know. Um, depending on what you're going to build, if you're building two by four patio furniture, you're good.
2: (laughs) You're good. (laughs) And
1: I'm not, that sounded like I was picking on those guys. I'm not, I think it's cool that people are out there doing that. That's amazing. You know, um, I got to be careful about how I say things. Um, (laughs) but if you, you know, if you're getting more in depth and more into it, then the, the material science of woodworking is very, very important, especially if you're going to have customers, because then you need to understand moisture values and, and what, you know, some materials move more than others. And, Mm -hmm. um, some, you know, types of joinery work really well, um, for movement, some don't. So understanding those things and there's, That stuff that's, it's, it's, there's videos out there. There's books out there. There's, it's all over the, the, the web, you know? So it's not like it's, it's, there's no, there's no mystery of getting access to that information, you know? And in the olden days, let your fingers do the walking meant looking through the yellow pages to see if you could find a professor (laughs) to teach you. Yeah. Now all you got to do is Google the damn thing, you know? So, and you're probably going to be listening to professor teach you, Mm -hmm. you know? So.
0: Okay. And then last but not least, um, Top three starting out tools.
1: Oh, uh woodworking. Stop saying <laughs> I'm gonna get punked on this one. Um, a drill, uh a saw, I don't care what kind, <laughs> you know, a bandsaw, circular saw, jigsaw, and a drill press.
0: Okay. Done. Just right like there. that. Um, and then drill what... press
1: is drill press is easily the most underutilized tool in every shop on the planet ever. You can do so many things with a drill press. The drill press is capable of so many things that people just don't use it for. You know, you've got sanding operations, you've got drilling operations, you can cut with a drill press. You can actually te- treat the drill press like a little tiny bit of a milling machine. Don't go crazy with it. You, Jacob's Chuck doesn't <laughs> like side loads, guys. Don't do that. But, <laughs> um, you know, there's the drill press is one of those tools that even in a small shop, a small, just a small, when you know, $110 drill press sitting on the shop can be so many things for you. It becomes so many tools that you don't have necessarily. That's why I say a drill press. Yeah. You know. It's,
2: yeah. Awesome. The Swiss Army knife that no one knew it was. <laughs> What's that? It's the Swiss Army yeah. knife that no one had the idea or it had a clue that it was a Swiss Army knife.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think we did a, did I do a video? I did do a video about that. I turned the drill press into a a type of jigsaw for cutting.
0: Did you hook it up to a pulley system too and ran something off of it
1: oh we did a sharpening system yeah, for the, the drill sharpening press system, yeah. um no i did a goofy little side video of using an off-axis rotary cuff to create up and down motion and put a jigsaw blade in it so we could cut you know we could cut material with the jigsaw like <laughs> a jigsaw on the drill press um yeah it's, just, it's the drill press does so much i mean you can treat it like a mini lathe you can treat it like a rotary sander you can put all kinds of it. sanding attachments on it, um, polishing stuff on there. If you you've seen those videos where people are polishing knives and they look like they're so glossy you could shave with them, yep. you can do that on a drill press for like six bucks and a and a rouge stick that costs two dollars. Wow. You don't need it. You don't need the fancy buffing thing. You already got it. It's a drill press.
2: <laughs> it's a drill press. <laughs> you know, so that's that's
1: why I say the third tool is always the drill press. So it's a drill, handheld drill for drilling, you know, holes away from the drill press and running screws in and pulling screws out, yeah. and then something to cut material with. Is your, you know.
2: your next T-shirt idea. It's a drill press.
1: <laughs> it's a drill press. <laughs> hey? Yeah. hey So we've <laughs> I, I mean, used, I've turned drill presses into some crazy stuff. That's cool. I, mean, I built I built an air, not on YouTube. I made it, I turned a drill press into an air compressor once because I needed one.
2: So, wow. I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, to be a fly awesome. on
1: and your wall. It was wooden air compressor. <laughs> the, air, the, the frame of like the, the 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 compression housing was wood. what? It didn't need to be a high flow air compressor. I just needed some air pressure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Is yeah. you think, I just want to say thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to come on the show and tell us your story and share some share some anecdotes and some wisdom with us in our in our audience. It means a lot.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun.
2: I'm glad you're here. And as we're kind of closing up here, um, where can people find you? And uh, what do you have going on that you'd like to promote?
1: Um, YouTube is best, probably the best place. You know, if you go over there and just type in Izzy Swan, our stuff pops up. Um, sorry, if you hear the dog barking in the background, we're getting an Amazon delivery, I think. Just <laughs> yeah, threw good... myself under the bus there again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Leave YouTube you. is a, is a great place you can check out our website I wouldn't you know we're, we're in the middle of getting ready to rebuild the website so right now it's kind of like spotty and hit and miss uh, because we just we've been pulling that down uh, Instagram we're Izzy Swan underscore Woodworking you can look look us up there if you're into that shorter content we don't post a whole lot over there maybe once or twice a week and I don't think I've posted over there in like three weeks right now so I'm a liar but, and we do stories, you know, oftentimes we'll do stories, you know, when we're actually doing stuff, we'll do stories almost every day, but yeah, that's, that's where to find me.
2: That's cool. And I'll put all those links in the, in the show notes of this episode as well. Once again, Izzy, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we got to have you on again. The, I, I just want to hear more stories and hear more hear more. <laughs> I'd wisdom. love to tell them anytime, guys. Awesome. I appreciate it. Right on. And thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you, Hoff. Thanks, Rosie. And we'll catch everyone in the next one.